This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Greetings, and thank you so much for joining me. Before I go any further, I have something to say. Fuck Neil Young. Man, what a tool. He delivered an ultimatum to Spotify about Joe Rogan claiming that he was spreading misinformation, or what do the lefties like to call it? Disinformation. If you're unaware what I'm talking about, I don't blame you. But just to keep you in the loop, Neil Young publicly proclaimed to Spotify to choose between him and Joe Rogan. What the hell did he think was going to happen? Spotify, of course, chose Joe Rogan. What a fucking moron. Seriously, if he'd bothered to listen to Joe Rogan and many of the guests that have been on his show talking about COVID-19, he would discover they are a wealth of information. Indeed, they are a fountain of truth. Go to some porch somewhere, Neil, and strum your bloody guitar. You have a couple of very good albums, I must say. But apart from that, sir, piss off. Anyway, end of rant. Beginning of my introduction to the conversation featuring Nora Lodemo from the Finnish... What would you call them these days? It's the band is Battle Beast, but I'm trying to find the appropriate superlative because they're on the precipice of something magnificent. Their new album is titled Circus of Doom, and it remains to be seen at the time of narration, but as you'll hear throughout the introductory parts of my conversation with Nura, I believe this album has a, a serious shot of making it number one on the German charts, and there are no more important charts out there as far as a sure sign that a heavy metal band is making serious inroads into the mainstream. I hope the album reaches number one, or let's settle for top five. Either way, it's going to go very well commercially. I love what the band are doing here. As far as I'm concerned, Nura is one of the premier female vocalists out there at the moment, one of the best vocalists that you'll ever hear from any genre, anywhere, as a matter of fact. So it was a joy to catch up with her again. My last conversation with her was many years ago. Again, you'll hear about that through the conversation. Of course, I would never expect her to remember these things because she's probably done thousands of interviews, interviews, between then and now. So without further delay, I've got a song to play for you. If you are listening via the podcast app, it's titled Where Angels Fear to Fly. And we'll cut to that very soon. If you've tuned in via YouTube, we're going to cut to the conversation right now. Either way, enjoy.
Hey, how's things going? Good, how are you? Oh, I'm not doing too bad. I've been looking forward to this call, I've got to tell you. You know, it's uh, we actually spoke about five years ago or so. That was, um, <laughs> the time was, flies. Oh, my God, it's going by so bloody quickly. It's, um, I still feel like you're on... Here you go. Here we have in Australia. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Well, you do have fans down here. I'm sure you know that and you get, you know, the uh, where the merch is sent to and you can get some numbers from that. But you definitely have some people down here who appreciate what you do. Yeah, and we just can't wait that, you know, the world opens up again and we can get there finally. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the big thing, isn't it? I mean, I think that is the dominating topic of all of the conversations that I'm having with the artists over the past year and a half or so is when is this thing going to end and to be honest there isn't an end in sight and I'm pretty sure Finland has got the same issues that we've got here in Australia with the bloody politicians being populists and yeah yeah exactly I was just yeah I was just talking with uh, with the other uh, reporter from from Australia and they and and he told me about the situation there so you got also, problems with that politician. Yeah, we do. We do. It's been, it's been, look, honestly, it's really bad. I never thought, I'm 43, okay, so I've been around the block a couple of times. Yeah. I just, I've got kids, I've got a family, got a mortgage, you know, work, all of that sort of stuff, car payments. Um, yeah. I, I just don't understand how we've got to this point where where something is ridiculous and something which, it, yeah, it, it does have, it is fatal for some people, but a very slim margin of society has been used to isolate the rest of us and to clamp down on the rest of us. I, I just mm. can't understand how this totalitarianism has been allowed to flourish the way it has and the way that we've stood by. Where I'm from, where I live in Queensland, it's a bit different. We're a bit more anti-government, meaning that we don't follow the rules as closely. Well, a lot of us don't, yeah. but down in Victoria, it's it's very different. You, a lot of music fans, are not when I say music fans, a lot of really hardcore music fans come from down there. Yeah. Um, you know, and I imagine that I imagine the bloke you speak to might have been from down there or the lass you were speaking to, but at least we've got the music. At least we've got the music. Yeah, at least at least we are not, uh, you know, they are not like saying like you can't go to the studio and make pop music because. But oh, no. you know, that's the thing is that what kind of this ha- this situation has waken me up and and many many people in the culture industry, you know, that we really need to do something about it, and it's not only the politicians who can do something about this, but we, we should definitely unite our forces around the world and try mm. to change the whole system because this this is not just acceptable that uh, suddenly we, like, they deny our, you know, profession. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, you, you raise a really good point there. We have not elected governments in the stricter sense to tell us what to do and to, to enforce draconian laws that are or draconian directions that aren't actually written into law. And I agree yeah. with you. I think I think it's really been something that's happened in the Western Hemisphere. So of course Finland and Australia are part of that metaphorical Western Hemisphere we talk about, you know, that European culture. Uh, and and we it's democracies that have been attacked through this. And music, honestly, and I've said this a lot in the podcast, music has been at the front line of that. Meaning that yeah. What government support, so here's a question for you, what government support have you been given as an internationally acclaimed touring artist whose living is derived from touring and recording? 
Sorry, can you repeat it? <laughs> yeah, right. But what what has the government helped you out at all in so far as have you been able to access grants that have kept you and your crew, you know, alive basically and mm. able to uh, able to buy food from the supermarket and stuff because the lifeblood of Battle Beast, I imagine, is touring. Well, yeah, it was, <laughs> mm. but not anymore, and we we really have to. Of course, I'm I'm happy to say that we 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 did so much work before the lockdown started, so we could, you know, uh, a little bit support our band, yeah. you know, uh, during the pandemic and uh, during this lockdown started, so we we could support ourselves a little bit, but still, uh, of course, the. The good thing what we got get from from the government is that some of the musicians in Finland get uh, is this uh, support money. Yeah. Uh, but you have to apply for it, and you don't necessarily get it, even though you would be very, uh, you know, even though you would be a successful musician because they. And and it's some it's 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 really weird the whole system. Also, we have uh, given criticism. The whole music industry industry has given critic, criticism about this. That what are the critics critics you know to yeah. uh, to get the money you know because and it's not even though I uh, we have had some support money. But it's like, uh, for example, now we have to in during December we have to send this application for for half a year uh, support money, mm. uh, which is for from April uh, to to September. So <laughs> you have to know your kind of future, like uh, yeah. tell there in the application what is your future plans as a musician uh, to get it, but it's not the only, you know, you don't necessarily get it even even though you would have good criteria for that. So it's really like gambling. I think they should be more open about the, you know, the whole process, how they decide it. And I think all, you know, all of the musicians who are struggling should have that support, even you know, especially the people who don't get anything else. Yeah, I, 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 on, on that point alone, and I've argued this point quite a bit recently. Um, for bands like yourselves, where you are, you have a proven track record. So when you when you file your tax return, if you like, or you file your tax, mm -hmm. all of your income, I. I do not doubt is derived from musical pursuits. Okay, so you're not making it up. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that make music in their bedroom and wish that they were successful, but they're full of shit. Yeah, you're doing it. Your income is derived from touring. In your case, it would be a no-brainer. I don't think anybody would say that. You know, you can't project to the hundred percent of the earnings that you might have got if you were able to tour, but enough to keep you and your band and your crew intact. So as the when things do resume, God knows whenever that's going to be, mm. you can do so without having that 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 hefty punishment that COVID has, has imposed on so many musicians worldwide. And, and I, I, look, I think for you guys too, because here's a, here's a bold prediction, and I think I'm going to be right on this. I think Circus of Doom will debut at number one on the German charts next week. 
Okay. But is that something that... Yeah, is that something that you guys have talked about? Because I, I think the album's good enough to do that. But that's my point: is that it, you're a world class band. You've got your world at your feet, and touring is the lifeblood. And here, here you are. You genuinely got a shot at making number one. Given no more Hollywood endings uh, peaked, I think it, it peaked or it debuted at number eleven on the German charts. I mean, the German charts are where it's at when it comes to heavy metal because of the volume of people that are there. Yeah. So, do you feel the same yeah. way? Do you think it has a shot of making number one? Definitely. I think we we have leveled up since No More Hollywood ending. And the thing is that we our goal is to, of course, develop ourselves as a as a band and music wise, production wise. And I think, you know, we did we did good. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole band is, you know, we are very proud of this this album. And I think it's it's good to say out loud because. Uh, usually, well, in Finnish Finnish culture, you shouldn't say these things out loud mm. because then you are, you know, uh, an asshole if you. I'm proud of what I've done, but I'm really proud of what we have done, and I think also, even though this pandemic has caused uh, this, uh, you know, these all these troubles. But also, it gave us the time to concentrate uh, totally uh, on making this album, and I'm happy about that. So, when there's something bad, there's something good also. <laughs> yeah, that's the flip side of the coin, isn't it, to, to your point there, because you've yeah. had no distractions, you haven't had to constantly focus on, from management's perspective, touring and all of the associated business business aspects associated with that you have and I think you've doubled down in a lot of areas and I'm going to focus on one I think your vocal performance your vocal performance is already it's you're probably the I've got to lay this on you you're probably the best female vocalist out there I've got to say that to you now that's greatest of respect (laughs) to Floor and all of those other wonderful ladies that are doing what they're doing but nobody is hitting the notes that you're hitting on where angels fear to fly I feel that that is your tour de force do you agree? Well, I feel like I, uh, you know, I found a sweet spot during uh, <laughs> during uh, when I was making my own solo album mm, yes. uh, in 2020 uh, during the songwriting process and the recording. So I was like super excited that when I found that, I found a sweet spot from the upper range vocal range and and then I was so excited to get to the recording booth uh, doing the battle bass vocals because then I knew like okay I want to put this high note or high note you know uh, to eat every mm. song of the album so so yeah but it, it it is definitely something that I want to what what I want to do on each battle based album that I want to show new sides and even you know surprise people uh, what you can do with with a human voice and and that is that is the playground I love to love to play yeah. around so yeah thank you so much for your comment no no problem I, I I think you're right you're hitting notes there in that song and you're hitting notes like that all over. Circus of Doom, but that was the song, your vocal performance on that one there truly stood out. 
and that's the one where you're hitting notes that very few vocalists can sustain and you're you're pushing to obtain that vocal see I sing as well nowhere, nowhere near like you but I listen to the way you're singing it and to keep your diaphragm steady when you're hitting those notes that's an extraordinary effort because it's not a production trick I can hear that too It's there's nothing else except for your voice on there it's just all we're just hearing neuro you're just giving us your all so so it was a, it was a strategy to truly push your voice to its very limit on this album I take it I didn't feel like I was <laughs> I was uh, of course I was like uh, I wanted to push myself you know over the top but mm. but in the end I felt like I I did it all uh, with the, with the right technique and I didn't feel like I was that I sounded somehow forced so that yeah. was very important for me that it should sound you know pretty easy <laughs> that, that it sounds uh, effortless yeah. on the album and that was something that I really wanted to have on the album but, and also when we uh, were fitting the key of the song to my voice. Yep. We were definitely uh, we were changing a lot the the keys uh, to the songs because it must be the perfect key for my voice. Uh, so it so it sounds effortless mm. <laughs> like the whole song through. Uh, but yeah, it was like uh, it was such a awarding feeling when when I like for example in uh, in this particular song where angels fear to fly in the sea part hmm. first Janne was saying like okay you can do this like octave lower and then I was I was having a good singing day <laughs> on that day oh, when right. we recorded because I was like but could I try this like octave higher? And, and then I was trying even like two octaves higher. So it was like, it was a fun day to record the song because I felt like I could do anything with my voice. And those days are the best days when I feel like nothing, nothing is too hard to, to sing. But, but of course I have to admit that there, there are some, some days that I feel like I'm the silliest singer in the world, and I can't sing it. But that's the that's the life of of the, of a singer that you can't always be at your best. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, your voice is going to reflect your emotions at the time, how much rest you've had, whether or not you've had a few drinks the night before. Um, your emotional, you know, your your emotional well-being in that moment, that sort of thing. So, I don't think I, only the internet keyboard warriors, so to speak, would ever criticise an artist of your caliber of not having um, an up to the par a performance if it was live or what have you. But no, you've you've knocked it out of the park on on that song alone. Just to focus on that one, but there is another song that I want to ask you about, which is Russian Roulette. Now. <laughs> I don't know whether have you been asked about this song because I feel like that could be the breakout hit that you guys it could actually be a single like a single that does make Billboard this sort of thing and even here in Australia it might mm. cross over that song because it reminds me of Pink with a much harder edge and it's not that's not me saying that you're trying to be Pink not like that at all but it's in that particular stratosphere of songwriting now is that something meaning mainstream success that that you guys are chasing 
but with songs like that and indeed with the album? Well, I don't know what's, what's going to happen with that song, but I really hope that some of the, some of the songs in the album could uh, take us to the billboards. And, uh, but it's not definitely, it's not our, you know, main goal uh, to be like, how do we get to the billboards? Well, that's not, at least it's not my, my thing, my goal, but of course it would be great <laughs> if that would yeah. happen. Uh, but, uh, and of course, well, I think, uh, you know, the, the, our strategy is to make songs that we, we like to listen ourselves. And then there must be some people who like it too. Yeah. <laughs> so, but definitely, yeah. I, I really, uh, I like the atmosphere in the song and, and it's kind of got such a, you know, this pop feeling in the song, but but in the other hand, it's like, I feel like it's from some kind of musical. <laughs> I agree. So, yeah, I agree, yeah. totally. But I was I thinking, that, yeah, like, but that song definitely will, will uh, divide people. Some people will love it and some people will hate it. <laughs> yeah, I, look, I get that, but that's, yeah, I wouldn't worry about the people who don't understand that. I mean, you guys are on yeah. that, you're on that arc, of, you're on that, that trajectory, if you like, where there are going to be mainstream fans, and I felt I, I particularly feel that way with this album here. That your success with this album isn't just going to be important for for you guys as a band. Mm. It's actually going to be pretty. It's actually going to be important for all heavy metal because what you'll be doing is you're going to become a gateway band. You're going to be introducing people to the genre who wouldn't ordinarily listen to it. Does that make sense? Remember, like Metallica's Black album, Iron Maiden's Number of the Beast. These albums that cross over into the mainstream and start attracting fans who would not give heavy metal a second look. Uh, yeah. Circus of Doom is actually probably going to do that, particularly if you hit number one on the German charts. Yeah. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Let's hope for yeah. the best. Yeah. Indeed, yeah. What about I can't remember if I asked you this question last time, so um you, you might get asked this a lot, but I'll ask it anyway. Sharing ideas, particularly with, with the guitarists in the band, how do you, how do you do that? Do you all live in the same city or do you all just sort of share ideas over the cloud, over Google Drive or what have you? Uh well the songwriting process uh are pretty much the same every time. Like we have three different songwriters. There's Janne, our keyboard player and producer, then uh, Jon, our lead guitarist, and then Eero, our bass player. And each of them, they want to make the song, their own songs uh, from, the, from the beginning to the end. But then, for example, uh, Jona wants me to take part much more earlier stage of the songs than, than for example Eero or Janne. Janne is, is that kind of a songwriter that he wants to make the song as as ready as possible before I go and do some demo vocals. And okay. then Jona is like uh, he's got an idea of the song uh, and 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 the melody but he, he hasn't kind of uh, locked the ideas but he takes me in for demo demo sessions, and then I can give a lot of, uh, you know, uh, proposals for for you know changing the melody and 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 the lyrics and 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 possibly even the arrangement. So it's like, and then Eero wants to make his songs the way that 
usually uh, they are made with Guitar Pro, <laughs> and I, yeah. I sing with the MIDI, the MIDI background. But then uh, Jona helps with, you know, making the, the the demo sound like a real, real song with real instruments. Uh, but yeah, with Jannes and Eero songs, uh, I I do less um, changes, and then then with Jona we do more collaborative songwriting. Yeah. But yeah, I really like that we have found our kind of the way that works the best in the band, and we don't have to argue about that anymore. Like how how does it work? Yeah. Like now it's like it feels very comfortable for everyone, and we have kind of when when we have had these conversations, like what is the best way for each person to to do this job, and we are on the same page with that, then it makes everything so much easier. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Does it happen, for example, that when you're all sitting around after a, you've been in the studio or wherever, wherever it might be, you're three or four drinks in and somebody brings something up and an, not an argument starts, but a conversation starts where you have differences of opinion. Are you normally the one who wins in that situation, given you are the one out the front of the band and really are the face and, and the, the image of the band? Is it, does it come down to, well, if Nura thinks that, we're going to go with that? No. <laughs> Well, sometimes, sometimes when I, uh, you know, have some, and I have strong opinions, but <laughs> and I'm very loud with loud about them. But, but uh, I've noticed that uh, the best way of negotiating and getting, you know, your way is not, not to be too loud about it, but, but yeah. try to negotiate and convince people. Uh, that your idea is the best. Sometimes it goes through, sometimes it doesn't go. And we have, you know, we have six opinions in the band. So sometimes uh, we have very fiery conversations. (laughs) And usually I am the one who is screaming. uh, (laughs) 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 Because I'm, 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 uh, you know, I'm a Scorpio and I'm very, I have a high temper, but but also I, yeah. So but, my wife, you know, don't worry, I'll get it. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is that uh, when I get angry quickly, I I also get, uh, you know, I don't I don't stay that way for long. It's like five minutes. <laughs> okay, And then gotcha. I want to be, you know, you know, uh, making up again. And yeah, fair so, enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I really love that we have this uh, relationship in the in the band between you know the band members that we are like five brothers and sisters so we have our fights and and uh, you know arguments but then we when we get that over with then we can be friends again and and I think that is also one of the reasons why we are still together after 10 years so yeah, yeah well, it's, it seemed it seemed like when Anton left the band, success. I, like I'm not. This is I've spoken to Anton, lovely guy, but Beast in Black, great band too. But it seems like after he left, you guys went on a different path, a path that you needed to go on to achieve the success that you were were was waiting for you. It was just there. But I mean, this is what happens with bands, isn't it? There's always this dynamic, 
And um, I'm trying to think. Here's a very, very broad point that I'll make. See, Weezer, no, they've got nothing to do with heavy metal, but their first two albums are brilliant. When Matt Sharp, their bass player, left, they went off in another direction. They found more mainstream success, but a lot of their critical, their old school fans, if you like, didn't like them that much anymore. But my point amongst all of that would be that it's about the personnel in the band, isn't it? Not necessarily the musical qualities that people bring and the talent that they bring. It's about how well you can get along and how well you can recover from, you know, setbacks and challenges and the like, isn't it? Exactly. The reason why we had to kick Anton out was that we didn't get along with him. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's the chemistry is the most important. If you don't get along, then you will not stay together. It's like in a, you know, relationship in, in if you are with someone, you know, in love relationship, if you don't mm. get along, then you shouldn't be together. So so that was the, the deal with Anton also. That, and now we, I, I believe that we are all, you know, more happier than before because, you know, we all are in a, in, in a band that we, you know, want to be in. Yeah. And, yeah, I think it's like you shouldn't do things that make you unhappy. And, and I think... Uh, you know, Anton has now the band that he can, you know, uh, you know, he has all the rights and he, he, he says there, I, I've heard that it's like, you know, he can now, you know, decide about everything and that, and do whatever he wants. But the thing was with Battle Beast that we are not, we didn't want to just to listen what he is saying and, and go with what he is deciding, but we wanted to be more uh, democratic band and mm. make songs together and because we have so much talent in the band so it's like if someone is saying like no you can't express yourself because i want to be the the only one who is expressing <laughs> yeah. themselves it's not working that way yeah it's a bit like when dave mustaine left metallica isn't it you guys are the metallica to beast in black's megadeth and you know like dave mustaine needed to have his own band he was never going to succeed in metallica it's because yeah. clearly it didn't happen that's just fate yeah you know what is what is marcus and the, the nuclear blast guys do they give you guys much the word isn't instruction but mentorship that sort of thing or do you, do you even talk to them about the direction of the band or do you, do you just hand them a master of a record or an album and say, here it is. We always have the power to decide what we are doing uh, musically. And they are, they have always given us the freedom to, to do our own thing. And then, then we hand our demos or, uh, you know, singles to them. And then they are like, they either like it or not. (laughs) For now they have been liking it. So, so it's been good, and and yeah, uh, it's of course I I I, know, I I think you have heard uh, of the you know there has been a lot of changes in the personal in the staff in yeah, the club Yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. So so of course that changes things as well because we we are dealing with some people who, who we don't know yet so much, but uh, it feels at the moment that this is working quite well with them so what was there so we still will continue uh collaboration with them because you are with nuclear blast still aren't you you're not with atomic fire 
Yeah, we are uh, with Nuclear Blast. Uh, we have have been since 2012, I think. So Atomic Fire, was there conversations with you about going across on, onto that label or, or were you just happy with the setup at Nuclear? We have been uh, happy with Nuclear Blast and, and yeah, we had, uh, I, we, we were having a little thought, of course, about what should we do, but then Nuclear Blast made such a good offer, so we stayed with them. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. Well, it seems like the right home for you guys. Um, I mean, for, from my perspective as a journo, we, we John, you know, John John Howarth, I think, you know, I mean, both labels come through him anyway in this territory here. So it's virtually the same thing for us, but of course it's going to be very different for, for you guys there. But uh, I think I've got time for one more question, uh, if that's okay, mm. before you got the next yep. conversation coming through. But I wanted to ask you this one here for a while, but you, you've achieved you've achieved great success, and I think even greater things are coming. But if you could go back to when you first started, you know, when you're in your late teens, early twenties, this sort of things thing, and you could give yourself some advice, particularly about what to avoid, the pitfalls of the success that you've achieved, what do you think you'd say to yourself? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Um, maybe I would say that don't let anyone try to convince you that you are not enough. Mm. <laughs> that would be my advice. Yeah, great advice, I think, for any young person, that one right there too, isn't it? Because we all copped it, didn't we? People who are older or even people who are just around us who want to bring us down because they, they lack self-esteem, they're insecure, that sort of thing, and they like putting other people down to make themselves feel good. Exactly. And yeah. that was something that I, I, I recall from 10 years back, you know, that yeah. I had a, a lot of that kind of bad energy coming coming towards me, and, and I kind of, I let it happen. I, you know, I, I let it, uh, for a while, I let it uh, to affect my 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 mind and so on. So I I really want to kind of I now I can say it you know with with good confidence because uh, I feel like I'm over that and I I know who I am and I appreciate who I am and I really want to give that advice to any any person in their twenties that. Don't let anyone to make you feel that you are not enough because you are. Well, look at look at all the tremendous success that you've had since Bringer of Pain. You know, no, Bringer of Pain is a great album. You're just getting better and better. Um, you know, sincere congratulations on the career you've enjoyed today. I mean, everything I said up the top there, I think you are the preeminent vocalist around um, from the perspective of your presence on stage the charisma that you have in music videos, which I think are very important given, given the YouTube uh, era that we're in these days, and your vocal performance too. You're an aspirational vocal performer, meaning that people out there that are starting singing and the like, you're up the top in terms of what they can then model themselves on in terms of best in class. Does that make sense? So oh, I truly hope great success 
awaits you guys, particularly in America, because that's the commercial bonanza. But um, just please keep on making the wonderful music you're making. Uh, and, um, yeah, it's a joy to listen to it. Thank you so much. <laughs> My pleasure. No worries. All right, enjoy the conversations too. <laughs> yes, and, hey, let's hope we can get to Australia as soon as possible. And take care and stay safe. Will do. You too. Hopefully down here soon. Fingers crossed on that yeah. one. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thanks, Nora. It's Cheers. It's nice to talk to you. Bye. Likewise. Catch ya. There she is, the extremely talented Nora Lodemo from the Finnish titans of heavy metal, Battle Beast. Good luck to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My book's coming out soon. Scars and Guitars conversations featuring so many of the leading lights of hard rock heavy metal and beyond all of these people that feature in the book i have had a conversation with for the podcast a few didn't quite make the podcast because they were done before i started it no that's not true actually everybody that features every musician that features in the book has featured on either the Scars and Guitars podcast or maybe even the Nuclear Blast Australia podcast, that short run that I did a few years ago with John Howarth, the managing director of Nuclear Blast Australia and New Zealand. Do check it out over at my website, scarsandguitars.com. It's available for pre-order via a number of retailers. I'm going to put the link up fairly soon. People, if you're interested, and I hope you are, do hit me up. If you buy from me direct, I'll sell the book to you for $5 Australian. There you go. But for a limited time only, just during the pre-order period, I'll leave this here as a bit of an Easter egg for eagle-eared. Eagle-eared? Does that work? What's an animal that has tremendous hearing? Bats. Bat-eared readers. Listeners. Maybe you are a bat-eared reader too. Either way, if you listen to this during the pre-order period, which is... From right now, the 28th of January, up to the 20th of February, 2022. And uh, you'd like to own a copy of the book. It's only available via e-reader at the moment. But uh, I've got the three versions. I've got Mobi for, or M-O-B-I, whatever it's called, for Kindle. I've got EPUB for many of the, many of the other, such as Google Playbooks. I think they call it Playbooks. So those other readers out there. I can even send you a PDF copy if that suits you as well. Maybe you can print off all almost 300 pages. There you go, 300 pages. I'm very excited about it though. I'm very excited about it. It's my uh, my set, the second book I've ever written, but the first one will be published. The first one to be published. All right, I'll let you head off. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. Thanks so much for listening.